morning, everybody. It was about four years ago, uh, I had my first back surgery. Uh, it came after having a, a few years of, of increasing pain, uh, loss of mobility and strength, and, and the surgery worked. It was great. Um, but then symptoms started coming back again. Uh, so this past May, I had another surgery, uh, quite a bit more extensive. Um, and that one went well, too. Uh, but I expected after a couple of months that the recovery would be a lot like the recovery from my first surgery. I thought it would actually be a lot like, like this. <laughs> just, there we go. There we go. Yeah, that, that didn't happen. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, much to my disappointment. Instead, the first couple months of recovery looked a little bit like, like this. No, we did not slow it down. <laughs> Minus the dog, too. I, I'm a little faster today, uh, but not by much. I've still got a long way to go yet, and that's, that's been super challenging. Uh, it's been a lot of waiting, dealing with disappointments, and managing expectations. I don't know if you've ever been in a spot like that. Probably. We all live with expectations about how things should go. But real life is usually different from our expectations, right? In between our expectations and reality is where we can find ourselves in the valley of disappointment. And sometimes we get stuck or we get lost there and we can't find our way back home. So we wait. We wait for things to go back to the way they were. We wait for it to stop. We wait for a better day or for help or for a light at the end of the tunnel. And while we wait, as hard and disappointing as it can be, I do believe that we can also encounter Jesus there. So I'd like to share a couple of things we should do while we wait. And I, I hesitate, to, hesitate to say should because nobody needs anything more on their to-do list. Uh, we probably added some things over the last couple of years because we maybe had a little bit more time. And maybe we got to them, maybe we didn't. I mean, I still haven't learned how to pay, play banjo. So uh, I'm not here to just add stuff to your pile. But if you're in a season of waiting... I think there are two things you can do that would be good to do. And I think God would love for us to do them, not for him, but for ourselves and for other people. I want to talk first about what we do when we have those feelings of disappointment. How do we make sure that we deal with them so that they don't deal with us? And then second, I want to think about trust. Who can we trust when we're stuck in the valley of disappointment? And I hope that you'll hear something that'll help you right now or the next time that you find yourself in the valley of disappointment or in a season of waiting. I was with a group of, of people recently and, and somebody asked, what's the biggest thing on your mind right now? And I think the intent was for the question to be more about work. Um, what are you doing? What's taking a lot of your energy and time? Uh, what are your priorities? That sort of thing. But I started thinking right away about my health and about my recovery, you know, the pain, the loss of energy, unsure about what the results were going to be. Another person talked about friendships. 
that had been lost over disagreements about politics. Um, another was grieving a death in their family. Another talked about their spouse's, spouse's job loss. Another mentioned some financial stresses. What was on our minds? Loss, disappointment, waiting, waiting for things to change. And maybe you can identify, we all have stories of what we're hoping would happen, but didn't. And you know, waiting isn't always filled with loss or isn't always bad. Sometimes it's kind of fun, full of anticipation. I love what Jerry Seinfeld says about going to the movies. The best part of going to the movies is the going to the movies part. It's the anticipation. And, and Deb and I experienced that when we went to our first movie just a while back in more than two years. We were so excited driving there, getting that giant tub of popcorn in that, in that bucket of pop, finding the perfect seat, watching the previews. I remember all of that so well, but I can't for the life of me remember what movie we went to see. <laughs> but we had fun watching, waiting for it to start. Sometimes waiting isn't all that bad. But I'm talking about when waiting feels awful, when it's filled with disappointment, anger, and loss. It's a hard thing to talk about. We don't want the attention. We don't want to appear weak or afraid or sad. And it's natural to wonder, God, why? Why is this happening? Where are you right now? I know you're up to something. I want to believe that you've got a plan of some kind, a way to make this matter, but where are you? But I find comfort in knowing that we're not the first people to wait or to experience disappointment. And we're certainly not the first people to wonder, God, where are you? And this is why when I've been stuck in the valley of disappointment, I find David's words in the Psalms in the Bible to be so helpful because he's one author who tells it like it is, who tells God exactly how he feels. So this morning we're going to look at Psalm 13. And if you're waiting right now in the valley of disappointment, please pay attention. So David starts in verse 1 with three simple words. He says, how long Lord. Have you ever felt that way? I have. God, how long is it going to be like this? I don't see an end in sight. And God, you could do something about this, but you aren't. Why? What are you doing to me? And how long is this going to last? And then David asks, will you forget me forever. It's almost like he's saying, God, I'm so tired of looking at the back of your head. I'm asking you, I'm begging you, and you're not answering me. It's like you're not even paying attention to me. And then at the end of verse one, David says, how long will you hide your face from me? I've had plenty of moments as a parent when I hid my face from my children, uh, just because I couldn't do it right then. I mean, parenting's wonderful. So many great things about it. But I've been at the end of my rope a few times when I just had to go to the bathroom, lock the door, 
But soon some little person is knocking on the door saying, how long, dad? What's going on in there? And I'm thinking, nope, nope, just can't do it right now. Can I see a show of hands? I'm not alone. Okay, all right, good. And I love that David says that to God. God, how long are you going to hide your face from me? I need an answer from you. And you're giving me nothing. And then verse 2. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Have you noticed how often the topic of mental health has come up in the last couple of years? The pandemic deeply affected people who were already living on the edge, wrestling with, with depression and anxiety and stress, worry, uncertainty, fear. And if you were wrestling with any of those things, the pandemic may have sent you further and deeper into that spiral. How long, God, must I wrestle with these thoughts of mine? I can't get out of my head. And David gives us permission to tell God that. And he goes on in verse 2. How long will my enemy triumph over me? What's your enemy right now? For over two years, our enemy's been an invisible virus. We've wondered, what else should I be afraid of? And doggone it, who's responsible for all of this? Maybe the invisible enemy you've been fighting was around long before COVID. Maybe you've been fighting one of those emotional, mental enemies like fear, stress, or uncertainty, or anxiety. Maybe it feels like the enemy right now is winning. In fact, I think that's what David felt and told God. He felt like his enemy was winning. Here's what he says next, verse 3. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. In the Hebrew, this literally says, look, God, look. I love how honest that is. I imagine David yelling at God, God, don't you see what's happening Please, pay attention. I don't know about you, but, but I grew up hearing a lot of formal prayers, sort of like, Almighty Father in heaven, I beseech thee, if thou hast a moment in thine day, I know thou art busy running the universe, but wouldst thou be mindful of this little issue I have right nowest? <laughs> but not David. David's throwing all formality out the window. He's just yelling at God, saying, God, look! Would you please look at what's happening? And they, then David says, give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. You know when I need light the most? When I'm in the dark, when I can't see, when the future, when the present seems so uncertain. And that's what David asked for. God, help me see that you're doing something in the, in the middle of what I'm going through. And then verse 4. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. And I think this is brilliant on David's part. He's saying, God, your reputation is at stake here. If you don't come through, it's going to look bad. They know who I am, that I'm one of yours. They know I have a fish on the back of my car. God, if you don't intervene, 
It's going to make you look bad. My enemies will be happy that I've lost. Okay. What have we learned so far from David about how to wait in the valley of disappointment? Well, first, we can learn about being honest about what we're feeling. If you're feeling some kind of a disappointment, it's okay to talk about it. In fact, it's very important to identify it and talk about it. Why? Because if you don't deal with it, it eventually will deal with you. If you don't process it, it'll sink deep into your heart and set down roots and it'll grow. In fact, what we don't grieve, we don't get over. It's important to choose to be honest about what you're feeling. A really good counselor told me that the way to deal with negative feelings and emotions is to find it and then feel it. So be honest about what you're feeling. And then second, don't compare your disappointments to other people. As I sat in that meeting and the people were sharing their disappointments, it was so easy for me to think, well, my stuff is no big deal. Compared to others, it's so little. I mean, if we were competing in the hardship Olympics, I wouldn't even medal. And maybe you feel the same way. Don't compare your loss with someone else's. We've all experienced loss and disappointment over the last couple of years. Resist the urge to compare your loss and pain to someone else's. It's not helpful. And then we also learn from David to invite God into our waiting. And this is what's so beautiful about God. We can ask him, God, where are you? I had lunch with someone recently, and they said that very thing. Where's God? What's he doing? And that's fair. That's a legitimate question. And God's not upset by that question. Instead, he welcomes it. As frustrated as, as David is, even while he's blaming God, he still invites God in. And here's what I hope you will find out about God. This is what I've experienced. God is a loving father who wants to sit beside you in the valley of disappointment. He, he wants you to trust him enough to invite him in and say, this hurts. This is hard. Would you help me to deal with it? Any loss needs to be felt. Any loss needs to be dealt with. Invite God in. Because as we're going to see in the rest of the psalm, God wants to help, and he can. So beginning in verse 5, David pivots. We've heard that word, pivot, a lot, haven't we, over the last couple of years? In fact, there's a lot of words in our vocabulary that weren't there before. You know, words and phrases like, uh, uh, remember, flatten the curve, or unprecedented, social distancing, asymptomatic, Difference between quarantine and isolation, that took me a little while. PPE, Zoom, N95. A lot of us have probably used the word pivot at one time or another. How has your family pivoted? Is your business pivoting? Is the church going to pivot? There's been a lot of pivoting. <laughs> and in the middle of the psalm, David pivots. He goes from questioning, expressing his anger, his frustration, accusing God of being inactive, and then he turns and he remembers who God has been. 
and what he's done, even though right now he feels alone. So verse 5, David says, but I trust in your unfailing love. David says, God, it seems like you haven't answered. It seems like you're not doing what I think you should be doing. But I want to remember. David reminds himself that in spite of how he feels and what's going on, that he is choosing to trust in what? What's he going to trust in? Now, this is big. This is really important. David's placing his weight, his belief, his trust in something specific. And this, this is an old Hebrew word here, love, that's used hundreds of times throughout the Bible. The old Hebrew word hesed. And I'm not saying that right because if I did, I'd spit all over you guys. And it's not referring to some kind of a flaky rom-com kind of love. It's this deeply committed, faithful, unfailing, devoted, I've got your back no matter what kind of love. And that's the kind of love that David is trusting in. That's God's love. And this love says, I won't let you down. This love says, I won't leave you by yourself. This love says, no matter what, I got you. This love says, every check I have ever written is good. You can cash it, because my word is good. That's the kind of love that David is trusting in. That's God's love. And how do we know that that love is true? Well, we know it's true because of what he says next. He goes on. My heart rejoices in your salvation. My heart, all the things inside of me that guide my emotions and my life, rejoices in your salvation. Now, David didn't know that there was going to be a Messiah that would come and rescue God's people, but he was hoping that one day it would happen. And we stand on this side of history. We know the rest of the story. It happened just as God promised. God's salvation came, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the picture of the love we can trust in. Anytime you're waiting in the valley of disappointment, Jesus is the reminder of God who says, I know. I know what it's like to lose, to lose someone. I know what it's like to lose a life. I get it. I've been there too. Because on the cross, Jesus, God's son, gave up his life willingly. So remember, God knows. He understands. He cares. If you're waiting in the valley, I hope you'll choose to pivot like David did. Trust in God's unfailing love that's always going to be there. No matter what's going on. And rejoice in the salvation that comes to us through Jesus. And then David gives us something to do. Psalm 13 ends this way. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Maybe if that's true for you today, you could whisper that right now to God. God, I know it's true. I know it's true. 
you have been good to me. And I'm going to sing. Now, I don't know what singing looked like exactly for David. We know he was a musician. Uh, he liked to play music and dance and sing. I don't know what it looks like for all of you. While I was at home you know, during the pandemic and some of those days, and while I was recovering from surgery at home, I'll admit it felt a little weird to sing out loud to a live stream on my own. I missed this. I missed singing together. So I would encourage you, wherever you are this morning, in the room, at home, listening in your car, to sing. Some of you are good at it. I've heard you. But being good at it isn't a requirement. You don't need to carry a tune or stay on key. I like to sing, but sometimes when I'm deeply moved by the music, I'm left speechless. And all I can do is just close my eyes and bow my head. Sometimes I want to clap and I want to shout. The best kind of singing doesn't come from here. It comes from here, from our hearts. And it's such a beautiful gift that God has given us. We can use it to remind ourselves that God is good when we can see it and even when we can't. He's still good. I hope you'll come back to Psalm 13. It may be exactly what you need right now to remind you that it's okay to yell at God. It's okay to tell him how you feel. It's also good to remind ourselves of who God is. He's our father, a good, perfect father. And as a parent, wouldn't you want to know if your son or daughter was hurting in their own valley of disappointment? I felt that way with my kids when they've been hurt or sad or disappointed. All I wanted to do was, was hug them, be close to them, cry with them, tell them I love them, and was here for them. Why should God, our heavenly Father, be any different? So I want to invite you, wherever you are, tell God how you feel. Yell if it helps. Tell him how hard it is. And then remember the love of a perfect Father who says, while you wait, I am with you. We've been closing each of these teachings in this series with some questions. Some questions that you can reflect on, ask yourself um, here in the room, and hopefully you can take them with you and think about them this week on your own too. Maybe even have a conversation with people that you're close to. So my three questions for you this morning to think about are these. Number one, what would it look like to be honest with God as you wait in the valley of disappointment? What would that look like? And number two, has God proven faithful when you've trusted him in the past? And number three, are you able to trust him again? So think, think about these questions, reflect on them. 
I'm going to say a prayer, and then when I'm done, Amanda's going to come out and sing a, a song for us, a beautiful song about waiting. And then after that, we have an opportunity to sing together. So let's pray together. God, our Heavenly Father, forgive us for those days, those moments, those times when we forget, when we forget that you are there, when we forget what you have done, when we forget your promises, when we get so buried in disappointment and pain and loss and waiting that we just turn into ourselves, turn inside and just try to manage things alone. But we're not alone. We're not. You are with us, God. You are for us. You are a good heavenly Father. Even when we don't have the answers, even when we're stuck in the valley waiting, God, be close to us. May your Holy Spirit continue to remind us of who you are and whose we are. In Jesus' name, amen.